Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Right, if you would turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 19, we're there again. Genesis chapter 19. And uh, again, I want to say thank you to uh, the mothers and uh, uh, not just mothers, but uh, how women um, are just uh, a great gift from God Um, and uh, and how, um, you know, we would be very alone without you all. So um, I uh, if you see down here in front of me, there's some uh, cuttings of. Uh, an aloe vera plant. Um, Amy uh, prepared that as a gift for all the mothers here tonight. Um, and so feel free to grab one of those or even two of those if, you, if because we don't have very many people here tonight. So uh, feel free to grab some uh, to have yourself an aloe vera plant um, when we go. We're back here in um, Genesis chapter 19. We're looking again at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and uh, I uh, originally thought maybe I'll just I'll read the whole passage again, but I, I don't want to get caught up and end up uh, running out of time again like we did last week. So we're going to, I'm just going to kind of summarize what we've covered so far, and then we'll jump in where we left off. Remember uh, the two angels that had visited, uh, well, that had been among three angels that had visited Abraham before and had told him that he was going to have a son within a year and then told him that Abraham that he was going to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and Abraham, remember, he pleaded. He pleaded that uh, God would show mercy if there was just, you know, 50 righteous or 45 or 30 or and on and on and on down. Last week, we saw the wickedness and the depravity of Sodom and Gomorrah. The men arrive at the city, and as they arrive at the city, Lot meets them. He meets them, and he responds very similar to Abraham. Abraham, he had been sitting at the door of his tent whenever the men came, and he, he ran to them, and he bowed down on his face. And what happened when the men show up to Lot? He, again, he greets them, he bows down on his face, he shows them hospitality, he says, Come to my house and I'll make you a feast. Right? Um, the men, they don't want to come to his house at first. They, they, they say, no, we're not going to go there. Uh, instead, we're going to spend the night in the town square, which was crazy. <laughs> right? It would be crazy. You know, that, that was not a safe place for them. And, and so Lot, he pleaded with them, don't go there. Don't go there. And the wickedness that they would have seen in the middle of the town square ends up showing itself at the front door of Lot. And Lot, um, the men, uh, the the, the men of the city, both young and old and everyone in between, meaning there was, everyone was represented there and there was none righteous. Abraham had pleaded, you know, if there's just, if there's just 10, would you, would you spare the city for them? But it says, to the last man, everyone was there at the door and they wanted these two 
angelic being there in the form of men to come out so that they would be able to know them. And we're not talking, hey, get to know you. Lot rejects this, says, no, no, don't treat these men this way. Don't treat them this way. That's, it's wrong. And we think, oh, great. Lot's standing up for him. And then all of a sudden he turns around and he just, he's, he's, he's no more righteous than the people in the city. Because he turns around and he offers his own daughters for them to take. The men, uh, the, and, and I mean the men, the, the angels that were there, uh, they said, you know, do, do you have anyone in your family that, that uh, any sons-in-law or anybody that, that, that you need to let them know to rescue so that they can come out of the city as well? So Lot, he goes to his sons-in-law and warns them, God's going to destroy the city. Let's flee. And the sons-in-law just laugh at him. They think he's telling a joke. And that's where we leave off. That's where we left off last week, and we're going to pick up in verse 15 tonight, and I hope we have time to cover it all. Verse 15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out uh, and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, oh, no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. And you, having show, have, shown mercy, have shown me the great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it's just a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to them, <coughs> Behold, I will grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and the valley and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had, he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley he looked, and behold, some, uh, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of, of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. 
Now, Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let, him, let, uh, uh, let us make him drink wine also tonight. Then you go and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she rose. Thus, both of the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He's the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He's the father of the Ammonites to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is perfect. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Your word gives life. Your word is trustworthy. Your word is inspired and it is profitable for correction, teaching, rebuke, or instruction in righteousness that we might be thoroughly equipped. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would, Lord, be appropriately troubled by what we read, but Lord, that we would delight in your mercy that's displayed here. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, like I, like I said last week, this passage is troubling. Um, we come to verse 15. Morning dawns, and the angels urge Lot, saying, up, take your wife, you and uh, your two daughters who are here, and lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. They're saying, now it's time to go. It's time to go. There's no waiting around. You've got to get up and go. Then these words, verse 16. But he lingered. But he lingered. Let's not, let's not just run over that. Let's linger there for a little bit. Lot lingered. In the Hebrew text, okay, the original Hebrew would not have had accents. It was written just consonantal letters. But in the Hebrew text that we have, the accents are written there. And, and uh, this would have given us information about how the text would be, thank you, thanks, the, the text would be chanted in the synagogues. And it's an ancient witness of how they would understand the text. 
And whenever it says, and he lingered, there's an accent there that's very rare in the Old Testament. This accent is one that says to hold it out for an indefinite period of time. It hold, so basically, as, they were, as, as, uh, as this accent is, you were chanting it in the Hebrew, it would say, and he lingered, as, as they would sing the text. Of course, it doesn't sound like that because they were not speaking English like I was. <laughs> anyway, the point of that is to emphasize something for dramatic effect. I don't think we should pass over this. This is very important. The angels were telling him, it's time to go now. You can't wait. You've got to get up and go now. But he lingered. And how often are we like that? Joseph, whenever he found himself in temptation and Potiphar's wife was trying to trap him into adultery. And what did Joseph do? He ran. He left, left his clothes behind and still got into all kinds of trouble. But he was righteous. Lot didn't run. Lot lingered. When we find ourselves in times of Temptation. The Bible tells us, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But how often when we face our temptations, we don't do like the Bible tells us to do and submit to God and resist the devil. Instead, we linger. Lot was still saved. He was brought out. But Lot... Lingered, And so many times in our own lives as believers, we may be saved, we may be born again, we may have the Spirit living in us, but that sin that still remains within us lingers. <coughs> if Lot had lingered any longer, he could have been swept away. Don't Linger in the presence of sin. I say that to all of you as I say it to me. We, I feel the presence of sin within me just the same as it is within all of us, even as believers. We cannot afford to linger in the presence of sin. We must run like Joseph. Lot lingered. So, the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand. And the Lord, being merciful to him, he brought them out and set them outside the city. So while Lot lingered, God was merciful. God could have said, well, if you're going to linger, I'll just sweep you away with the rest of them. But no, he didn't. God was merciful. It the text says the Lord was merciful. And what did He do? He picked him up and He carried him out of the city. Just imagine throwing him over His shoulder and carrying them out of the city. God can do that while we're in the midst of our lingering in the presence of sin. God can pick us up and carry us out. And if He does so, that's merciful to us. 
We think of a child, our own children, who, when we raise children, you know, sometimes they're getting ready to do something that's wrong. And what do we do? We pick them up and physically carry them out so they can't do the, 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 the disobedience that they were going to do. And you know what? That's merciful. That's keeping them from doing something that will hurt themselves. God is so gracious and so kind, sometimes that's what He does to us. He puts some obstacle in our way so that we can't even go into the sin that we would have sometimes. The Lord was merciful and He picked them up and He carried them out and He set them on the outside of the city. In spite of the fact that Lot was still a very unrighteous man. Think of what he did. He, he offered his daughters to these men outside his house. And yet God was merciful to Lot. Next. When, he set, when they set them down outside the city... They said, escape for your life. Do not look back or step anywhere in the, in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. And how's Lot respond? Even after they've just been carried out of the city, after lingering, even after they've been carried out of the city, they, and they're told, escape to the hills, Lot still says, oh, no, no, I can't do that. <laughs> And how much is that like us? God asked us to do them something, and we try to bargain with Him. Oh, can't we have it my way? <laughs> can't I just do it? That's too hard. Lot says, Oh no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. I've experienced grace, Lot says. And you have shown kindness in saving my life, but I can't escape to the hills lest the disaster overtake me and I die. He's just been carried out of the city by two angels and he's still afraid that if he does what they tell him to do, he's going to die. He still doesn't get it, does he? But even though he doesn't get it, even though he's being wishy-washy, even though he's still lingering in his heart, the Lord is even more merciful to him. He says, I will grant you this favor also. I won't overthrow the city of which I speak. Escape there quickly, for I won't do anything. I can't do anything to the city until you arrive, until you arrive there at that city. And then the name of the city was called Zoar. Zoar is a word that just means insignificant. It's just Notice how, how also Lot was just bargaining over that. Oh, it's just a little city. It's just a little. And isn't that, again, how we treat our sin? <laughs> oh, it's just a little one. It's just a little white lie. It's just a little one. Oh, oh no one will even notice. God, as we sang about, is Holy. He cannot abide sin in His presence, yet He is also merciful. 
He is merciful and mighty. We see this in this text tonight. He is mighty. He destroys the city by raining down fire and brimstone on the city. He is mighty and he's merciful like we sang about. Verse 23. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. He did what he said he was going to do. He gave a warning. Judgment is coming. He gave a warning. He even physically worked to take Lot and his, his wife and his daughters out of the city so that they would be spared. And then he did what he said he was going to do. The New Testament tells us in uh, 1 Peter, and I believe also in Jude, the, the, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, just like the story of the flood, is there so that we would know God's judgment. When He says He's going to judge, He means business. He's going to judge the wicked, certainly. When we look around and we see, why do the wicked prosper? We can be reminded there's payday someday. Judgment will inevitably come. He did what he was, said he was going to do. And there's a link there to the story of the flood. What happened in the flood? God sent rain to destroy all the earth. Here, the, verse 24 says, The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And then verse 26, but Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. This person that the angels had had mercy on, they had picked her up and carried her out of the city. She looks back. She didn't have faith. She didn't have faith. She didn't believe in the God who saved Lot. She didn't believe in the God of Abraham. She looked back. She would rather have Sodom. She would rather be home where it was comfortable. She'd rather have that than to have God, to have her life. Verse uh, 27. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Remember, this is still in chapter 18. He had stood before the Lord and he had had this bargaining session with him. He had asked if there's 50, if there's 45, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10. He, he went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down 
towards Sodom and Gomorrah. And from all that distance away, he could see the smoke. He saw the smoke rising like the smoke of a furnace. And here, verse 29, this I think is the conclusion of the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so it was when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities of the, uh, in which Lot lived. I think one thing is very interesting about the way he put it. When God did this, when he destroyed the cities, it doesn't tell us the Lord remembered Lot. In the Noah story, it says that the Lord remembered Noah. After the destruction of the flood and everything, the Lord remembered Noah... And the water and the, the rain stopped and the floods went down. And, and here it doesn't say the Lord remembered Lot. It says the Lord remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst to, of the overthrow, which he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Here's something I think we get from that Lot wasn't saved because of his own righteousness. We are not saved because of our own righteousness. Lot was saved because of the promise that God had made to Abraham. The Lord remembered the promise that he had made to Abraham. The Lord remembered Abraham. And so because he remembered Abraham, he sent Lot out of the midst of those cities. Why would God do that? Because he remembered Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham that he would, he would bless all nations through him. He would bless those who blessed him. He would curse those who cursed them. He would, and that all the, all the families of the earth would be blessed through Abraham. He promised that his descendants would be as many as the stars of the sky and of the sands of the seashore. And God, we know, was planning a work in which one of these days, that descendant of Eve, that offspring of Eve, that seed of the woman that was going to come and crush the serpent's head, we know him as Jesus, was going to come from the line of Abraham. And if you look at the genealogy of Jesus that's recorded in the Gospels, we also know he had somebody else that was one of his ancestors that was a descendant of Lot. He remembered Abraham's promise and he sent Lot out of the, of the cities. Now we're coming to this last part, which doesn't really have to do with the destruction of the cities, but it has everything to do with how God brings good out of evil. Let's look here. It says, Lot, he went up out of Zoar and he lived in the hills with his two daughters because he was afraid to live in Zoar. <laughs> here he was. He, he was fleeing from the cities because he had heard the warning, I'm going to destroy these cities. And he said, oh, oh, don't make me run to the hills. Just 
How about this, this small city? It's just a little one. But when he'd actually seen what happened, he must have been traumatized. Lot probably had PTSD. <laughs> he was traumatized by, by seeing the destruction of those cities and he couldn't even bear to be in that little city. He finally was like, okay, I'm going to do what God said. <laughs> and he ran to the hills with his daughters. He went for the hills and we see something very similar to what happened after the flood. After the flood, we see this story. God had just saved Noah and his family out of, out from the whole earth was flooded. And what's Noah do? He builds a vineyard and he, we see that he is drunk and naked in his tent and he is shamed by his son. And here we see after the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, after God mercifully rescued Lot and his daughters out of, the, out of Sodom and Gomorrah, we see Lot drunk in a cave, shamed by his daughters. There's a connection there between the flood and Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't have to go through all the gory details here. We've already read it. It's wicked. Uh, it's unspeakable what happened there. They plot and they plan and they, they think, oh, you know, it says, and the firstborn said to the younger, our father is old and there's not a man to come into the earth after the manner of all the earth. First of all, what she says is not true. It's not true. There were other people available. She says there's not a man in the whole world. What Lot should have done was get up out of Sodom and Gomorrah and go back to Abraham. Go live with Abraham and, and be a part of his people. If he would have done that, his daughters would have had someone in the household of Abraham. Remember that he had 318 soldiers fighting with him. There would have been someone there. But what she says is not true. Let's remember, the New Testament tells us when we find ourselves in temptation, there's always God always provides a way out, doesn't He? This daughter of Lot refused to see that there was a way out. Instead, she saw, this is the only option I've got. And so, they get their father drunk. They become pregnant by their father. This is a wicked, despicable evil in God's sight. And yet, God, what man does for evil, God intends for good. We see this in the story of Joseph at the end of the book. At the end of Genesis. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. And... Whenever they come to the end of the book, uh, they're apologizing. They, 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 they want to you know, make sure that Joseph doesn't get even with them. And he says, don't worry. You meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. God intended this in order to save life. God, Joseph was sent down into Egypt so that 
God's plan all along was that he would then raise him, Joseph up. He would be the second to Pharaoh and that he would be able to manage all of the, the grain and everything coming into Egypt and life would be saved. What God, what those brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. And we see the same thing here. This was an evil plan. It was wickedness. It was sexual sin of the utmost evilness. And yet, we see that one of these children that was born was Moab, the father of the Moabites to this day. We know of another Moabite. We come to the book of Ruth. We have a Moabite that a book of the Bible is named after. The book of Ruth. You see, Ruth was a Moabitess who married Boaz, who had Obed, their child, who had Jesse, who had David. Ruth was a Moabitess. You know, Deuteronomy said that a Moabite or an Ammonite were not allowed to come into the assembly to worship until the 10th generation. They weren't allowed to come into the assembly for the ten, until the 10th generation. But then we have Ruth who was a Moabitess. And then her son, and then, her, then that grandson, Jesse. And then we have David, only four generations removed. You know, isn't that interesting? God, I, I think Mo, she was a Moabitess, but her faith was the faith of Israel. You know, it, it shows... God was not holding her race against her at all. What mattered was the fact that she, she said to Naomi, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Moab, this wicked and despicable story produces Ruth. And then we see David and we follow the line down, and we have Jesus. I believe that God is sovereign over all things. You know, and, and what we understand about biology today, you know, if just one person marries somebody else and has some other, then everything else in history is going to be different. If this hadn't happened, you could say, we wouldn't have Jesus. So what we see tonight, we see in this story, what we saw last week was the wickedness, the utter wickedness of Sodom and, and by extension, the wickedness and depravity of all humanity. Because if it wasn't for Jesus, we would have become like Sodom. We would have become like Gomorrah. We are all guilty sinners. And we see 
The judgment of God. It is certain. It is coming. It came on the whole world at one time when the flood came. It came on Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and sulfur coming from the sky upon those cities to destroy them. It destroyed everything there. Not even a blade of grass was left. And one day, judgment is coming again. When Jesus comes riding on a white horse and he puts all of his enemies under his feet, judgment is coming again. And it shows mercy. The grand mercy of God. The wonderful, marvelous mercy and grace of God. Lot did not deserve what God did for him. Lot did not deserve it at all. Lot was just as wicked as the other people in Sodom. But God was gracious to him. God was gracious to him because he remembered his promise to Abraham. God is gracious. While judgment is coming, he has sent a warning to us. He is coming back again. We know that his judgment is coming And if we would just trust in Christ, believe on Him, trust in Him, throw ourselves down at His mercy, if we would bow our knee to Him now in this life, make Him our Lord, submit to Him, we can have pardon, full pardon. We will not no longer be His enemies, but we will be sons and daughters of God. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah is troubling. It, it causes us to be revol- to, to, to have revulsion against what we read there, but at the same time, it is a picture, it is a graphic picture that God is holy and just. He punishes sin, but He has mercy on those who trust in Him. So, the admonition is trust in Jesus. Flee from the wrath that's to come and trust in Him. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.